Uh, hey guys, I gotta go uh, set some stuff up, my microphone and stuff up. I'll be right back. All right, sounds good. Is he is he gone? I think so. Oh man, did you guys hear what Terry did on the last episode? I heard he was wearing green. Oh, green! Oh, how could he? I know. It's not the season for that color. It's a tricky color, if I dare say. It is. It's very hard to pull off. And he most certainly does not pull it off. <laughs> it's out of season two on top of everything. Ah, I'm back. Oh, oh, oh yes, oh, quite. Oh, oh, oh. So, uh, we ready to go? Everything good? Yep. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, are you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's perfect. I'm good, too. Oh, good. Well, welcome to Run the Real, everybody. I'm Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And Terry, what what color are you wearing today? I was wearing a nice new uh, green shirt I just bought. It really uh, fits in with the mood, you know, spring. Oh, yeah, sweet. It does. It is a good color. Look, you know, I've been working from home. Um, I haven't had to change clothes as often as usual. <laughs> you could have at least washed it. Anyways, we've got some other drama tonight for you guys. We watched Gosford Park, a very British show, which is drama, mystery, and comedy. And it's part of our whodunit category, just so you know. <laughs> Apparently, this is a murder mystery. Apparently. That's what they say. <laughs> Even though some act may not happen until very late in the movie, but we'll get to that. We've been tricked. We've been backstabbed. And quite possibly bamboozled. <laughs> oh my. I like this line. So Gosford Park was released in 2001. It was directed by Robert Altman and uh, he was also one of the writers along with Julian Fellows. Um, currently on IMDb it has a 7.2 out of 10 with a 90 meta score. On Rotten Tomatoes it has an 86% tomato meter with a 78% audience score. And this movie won an Oscar for Best Writing for Screenplay Written Directly for the Screen for Julian Fellows. Nice. Okay. What all's this guy done? Oh, he's Downton Abbey. That's pretty popular. Which makes a lot of sense. Robert Altman? No, Julian Fellows, the guy who won the Oscar. I feel like this was kind of his breakthrough for screenplays. Doesn't look like he did a lot of them before this I think he was a magazine writer or something prior to this. Huh, yeah, I've never heard of him. I, I recognize Robert Altman's name, but I don't know what I've seen him from either. But anyways, just kind of a quick synopsis of this movie. It takes place in 1932, and there's this big British party going on, and it follows the lives of the servants versus the upscale guests at this country house in England. Supposedly, they investigate a murder that one of them is committed, even though said murder does not happen till I can't remember, almost like... An hour and a half, almost. It's like three-fourths of the way through. I paused it to see when it actually happened, and yeah, it was like an hour and a half into the movie. I don't know, we'll get into it, but I'm gonna say this isn't really a whodunit movie, exactly. It's uh, more of a drama about the 
difference in social scales between the servants and the upscale guests in 1932 in England at a party with the backdrop. And a murder happens. Yep, eventually. Yep. <laughs> on Gandalf, of all people. Or not Gandalf. Dumbledore. Dumbledore. That was Dumbledore? Yep, from Prisoner of Azkaban on. This movie does have a lot of pretty famous people in it. Yeah, it's a stacked cast, just like Knives Out was. Yeah, um, but with uh, European actors. So we had Maggie Smith, who was also in Harry Potter. Michael Gambon, who is Dumbledore. Um, Kristen Scott Thomas, Camilla Rutherford, Charles Dance, Tom Hollander, and the list goes on. Stephen Fry is even in this movie. I guess, what do you guys think about this one? Man, I just want to throw this out there. I was pretty proud of myself. I was watching this in like the first like 20 minutes, and I was like, is this movie just Downton Abbey? And then sure <laughs> enough, you hop onto IMDb, and the first trivia that comes up is, Downton Abbey was, was going to be a, a spinoff of this movie, but then they made it a standalone <laughs> written by the same guy. Wow. Okay. Which I had a suspicion because of the name. But man, is it literally just like the same thing? It really is, yes. That's what I thought the whole time watching it. But I didn't really care enough to put the research in to find out if they were connected in any way. Fair enough. I didn't really mean to, yeah. It just <laughs> popped up and I was like, ah! I've never seen Downtown Abbey. Is it like basically just British people of class, just several different classes interacting with each other? Or Yeah, it's, it's, it's just this movie without a murder and spread out. More of the drama that was in this movie. So if you like that drama, you'll probably like this movie. Although I think it's less of a, a satire and commentary and more of a uh, genuine reflection and of the times. Oh, I gotcha. And I've only seen one episode of that, so I'm not the best to talk about the show as a whole. This had a movie come out for it actually last year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I know there for a while, it was pretty big. Like, a lot of people were watching it. I'm sure it is pretty big still if they had a movie come out, but... Yeah, I watched one episode of Downton Abbey, and I was like, I don't think this show is for me, and <laughs> left it at that. That's kind of how I felt about this movie. I was like, eh, I don't know if this is necessarily geared towards me. You know, they put some effort into this, but I don't know. I was kind of bored for most of this movie. Oh, yes. The way I sum this one up is... It's not bad, it's a good movie, but it is absolutely nothing that I ever wanted this movie to be. <laughs> we all went in thinking it was a murder mystery, a whodunit, and it really isn't, so. Yeah, maybe that had something to do with it. I already had some preconceptions about it, but yeah. Yeah, I know that affected my viewing a little bit, unfortunately. It did, especially coming uh, a week after Knives Out. Yeah, so I thought this was just going to be British Knives Out. <laughs> from the description or whatever. It's not what this is. It's very much commentary on the social classes, the difference, and gossip. You know, this is kind of what I think of when I think of like a classic whodunit kind of thing. Like half the thing is set up, and then half the thing is investigation. Although this is obviously a little less balanced, probably two-thirds set up and one-third investigation. It's barely even investigation, though. Which is a fair point, yeah. You can't figure out who done it even in this movie. It's set up to where 
you got to watch through the whole film and they slowly reveal more of the information to you that you need to know. And then they just kind of are like, hey, this is what happened. Not a lot of clues leading up to it. Yeah, because for a while I was playing the game of like, ooh, who do I think it is? It's like, I bet I could call it. Now, first person we see is this like old butler looking guy. It's like, it's him. And then, yeah, that guy never shows up again. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's, I don't think it's not easy to guess unless you just get lucky just when you pick somebody. Cause I, I was like, oh man, maybe it's that um, Scottish guy who's not what he seems. <laughs> there's only like, a few like sketchy people, maybe like two, maybe even just one like sketchy kind of guy. I don't know. There's like stuff in the background, but yeah, I don't, it doesn't really lead anywhere necessarily. Well, it's kind of a murder with a twist, right? You know, we have this weird angle of uh somebody clearly tried to murder him but uh somebody else beat him to the punch or rather stab if you will (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a weird twist i felt like the stabbing guy was easy to figure out who was it i don't even remember clive owens the guy who lived in the orphanage oh yeah his son was the stabber because he was angry that his father was a terrible person so who poisoned him then? Because I don't remember either. Which one was that? I don't remember. There's a lot of characters, and they all kind of look the same to me. Croft, wasn't it? Mrs. Croft? Yep, yep. The head maid. The only ones who really stood out to me, who I could easily tell who was who, was the the Hollywood filmmaker guy, the American because he's short, wears glasses, and he's bald. <laughs> and then there's the standouts, you know, like um, uh, Maggie Smith and Michael Gambon. But everybody else does kind of just blend together for me because there was so many of them. And a lot of them look very similar in the way they dress, the way their haircut is, their hair color. Like, you can easily tell who's a servant and who's not, but... I can't tell you anybody's name in this movie, to be honest. I, I don't even know any of their names. I just know the actors. <laughs> and I I barely know that. I haven't heard of hardly any of these people. So <laughs> it's just like, this is servant one. Uh, this is rich wife number three. Um. <laughs> Something I thought was interesting was, so the IMDb trivia says that there is a servant present in every single scene of this movie. Makes sense. They're everywhere. There's a million of them. Yeah, it's crazy. That's the main focus of this movie is the commentary on the social class distance between them, which is cool. But I like you guys said, I went into this with the wrong mindset. Yeah, this was really slow and did not enjoy watching this one too much. It's a lot of anticipation for no payoff, really. <laughs> yeah, man, I loved it. Oh, it was cracking me up. It was very funny, I thought, too. Yeah, like I love it. It's just like, it's like a slice of life thing almost, you know? Like it's, the murder is like, like you said, it's it's a drama and a murder happens in there somewhere. It's just a bunch of British people making snide comments and a bunch of servants talking smack on them. But it's like British, so it's very, you know, reserved and dry. And <laughs> something about the British aristocracy just cracks me up. It really feels like watching a stage play. Yeah! With the the sets. Like, the sets look amazing. The backdrop is really cool. The shots are interesting, even though they're, like, pretty low resolution. Yeah, what was up with that? Huh? From what I rented on Amazon, 
I don't think it was HD, even though it said it was HD. I don't think it was either. It didn't look HD to me. Huh. I thought mine looked okay. I don't know. It didn't look bad, but there was a lot of fuzzy stuff. You can tell that it wasn't really touched up much, it looks like, which is fine. I think it was shot on film. It does have kind of that look to it. Yeah, it just didn't look as crisp as I was expecting. Had a lot softer look to it. But the sets are amazing. The shots are okay. The outfits and the costume design is excellent. It's pretty good. I mean, I wish they would have done more to make people stand out from each other at the very least. That would have been nice. Helped me a little bit. Yeah, but I'd probably go against what they're going for with the film too. Since they're trying to mirror that life. And people are going to be wearing the in-style of the time, so. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I needed some help there, definitely. I could not tell these characters apart, hardly. Oh, yeah. It's all a bunch of grays and blacks and stuff, pretty much. So it's, yeah. Especially when they all go hunting. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I didn't know who was who besides the American and Dumbledore in that scene. Yeah, because they have, like, the two, like, moments in there where <laughs> the American guy's just sitting on the side, like, going, oh, my God. And then the... <laughs> so scared. <laughs> it's like, did they attack you? Did these the birds attack? Oh, yeah. Are pheasants dangerous? <laughs> did the pheasant get shot and goes plummeting down to where he's at? And he's like, oh, oh gotta run. Yeah, and the old guy gets shot. But besides that, they're all, yeah, just shooting the skies. I think that scene's a good example of all the weird slang in this movie that was kind of hard to follow. Find out which gun was responsible for that and send him back to the house. Like, it took me, like, that whole scene to realize they were calling the people hunting guns. Yeah, I turned subtitles on. Yeah, I had to turn on the subtitles, too. I was like, uh, I can't. <laughs> They're speaking English, but yeah, I gotta pick up on this. This is a very dialogue-heavy movie. I better make sure I can understand everything. Well, the sound mix wasn't very good on the Amazon version either. We cranked it up, and it's like, I can still barely hear what these people are saying. It's ve They're all very soft-spoken, except for Michael Gambon, <laughs> pretty much, so. Sounds like that was kind of intentional. It was reading in the production notes that they gave everybody, like, a love, so you could hear everybody's dialogue the entire scene, even if they weren't the focal point. Ah, it's like, uh, it's like Uncut Gems. Everybody's just talking. But British. But British. <laughs> They're talking, yeah. <laughs> Very soft-spoken folk, unlike yeah. <laughs> New Yorkers. Yep, that's... <laughs> it is very dialogue-heavy. But I still, I don't know, I feel like I always am way, like, I dread, like, I feel like it's going to be, like, a boring thing whenever I think of that. But then I feel like I'll wind up loving it a lot of times. That just depends on the strength of the script and the delivery of the actors and actresses to make it interesting. And they do a good job with it in this one. Like, I was laughing through a, a lot of the movie. There's some good stuff in there. I don't know. It sounds like they start to tell the same jokes over and over again, though. I kind of get tired of it. It's all a satire kind of stuff, but... I just, there needed to be something for me to like focus on in this movie. And I don't really even feel like there's much of a plot in this movie until the murder actually happens. Like there's rumors and talking, you know, but there's no real like driving factor in the film until somebody gets killed. And even then they're like, eh, hey, everybody can just go home. Like, <laughs> yeah, nobody really cares. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was kind of amusing that everybody's like, eh, you know, I could care less if this happened to that guy. But at the same time, like, well, <laughs> 
<laughs> There's nothing for me to latch on to here, really. Very much just ends at the end. Like, it's over. They're going home. They try to make you care about Mary's character. She's the servant for um, Maggie Smith. Yeah, and she's like the, the fresh perspective. She's new to all this. She's like a... Everybody comments on how she's like a new... She's never been trained, and that's why she's so cheap to pay or whatever. Like, she's their entry point, but I don't know. Yeah, I was I was into it at first, but as it kept going, I was like, okay, we're, are we even heading anywhere? Or are we just kind of hanging out? Like, I think we were just hanging out. <laughs> pretty much hanging out, yeah. But it was fun watching uh, Mary's change throughout the film as she gets used to being a servant for her lady and then getting all caught up in the murder part of it and trying to figure out who was who. She ends up taking a lot more initiative and stuff as opposed to being told what to do. So that was interesting, I thought. It's also a very subdued part of the film. <laughs> Feels like she just kind of suddenly realizes it. I don't know how she figured out it was that one guy the whole time. It does feel like that. I agree. What was it? The McGonagall lady. Oh, no, Elsie. Elsie gives her a clue. Who's Elsie? She's the one who got fired for defending Michael Gambon when his wife was talking crap on him. Which was a very awkward scene. She tips her off about the orphanage thing, I think, about, about Dumbledore getting with all the maids and then just dumping their, their kids in an orphanage. Okay. So I got a question. The servant lady of Professor McGonagall, she goes down to wash the shirt, and somebody's down there getting busy on the counter with one of the with the cook or something. And then he just like sneaks away into a closet that must go somewhere. But who was that? Did they say? Well, they make you think it's Dumbledore, but then at the end, you she says who it was at some point at the end. Was it the guy who like got a cigarette lit by her? I think it's like the short, lame guy. The guy who's like begging for work or whatever? Yeah, who was like begging for Dosh. I think it was him. I don't know, man. I really don't. I just knew it was a lord or whatever of some sort. I thought it was Dumbledore because he comes out of the hall there at the end of that scene. And I think they want you to think it was him. Because like, you know, he's the womanizer, takes advantage of all the servants guy. But then it turns out it's also this like broke dude. There's just a lot of stuff that happens. A lot of characters, a lot of subplots going on. And none of them were too particularly interesting to me. I feel like they could have just cut down the cast by like half and it would have still had the same effect. And they could have focused more on them and introducing them better so you can kind of see where they're coming from more. Yeah, give them slightly different personalities because it feels like a lot of them all are kind of have the same personality. Like some of the main people are different. Like one of the Lord's wives is a lot more like naive and happy to be there and because she didn't come from being a lord or a lady or whatever. <laughs> yeah, nobody likes her. Yeah, she was my favorite of the, the high class people. I was like, I like this lady. She's nice. Is she the one who wears the green dress twice? Yeah, she, she's the one talking to Maggie Smith that mentioned she doesn't have a, a maid and then, <laughs> then Maggie Smith just like, oh, well... <laughs> the husband's like, why did you say we don't have a maid? <laughs> I mean, I hate that old woman. She was making fun of her, and I was like, stop. That's so mean. She was my favorite. Probably just because I loved watching Maggie Smith 
play as crotchety old lady. <laughs> but she doesn't know. I love at the end when she's like, I don't have a snobby bone in my body. <laughs> yeah, she did her job. I did not like her. <laughs> you know, I do recognize that all this stuff is pretty good. It requires talent to do it. Because, I mean, obviously the writing um, and script won an Oscar. And if you look up other movies that came out in 2001 that were going up against this, there was a lot of really good movies coming up. I don't know what all was up for or nominated in the Oscars in and what won what that year. Could look it up. But this movie came out amongst all that stuff. And, you know, it does take talent to do what they did with this movie. And it's just not for me. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I was expecting. Went in with the wrong mindset. So I do feel bad a little bit, but I'm also kind of like, yeah, it was pretty boring. I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. I think they did a good job of like, yeah, getting their point across for sure. But I do think maybe they could have used a little bit of some push in there or something. I don't know. Like the writing is good. Like the dialogue is really good, but I just think... Plot-wise, maybe there could have been something. Yeah, I agree. There needs to be a driving factor that happens a lot earlier in the movie than them just sitting around gossiping and talking smack about each other in their different social circles. Man, I don't think I would change anything. I gotta say, for me, <laughs> the gossip is the driver. <laughs> Dang. You may never guess it, and I hate to admit it, but man... Love me some juicy gossip from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I had a blast with it, but I, I think your arguments are fair, especially if you go into it expecting a uh, murder mystery akin to Knives Out, which I kind of was too. Well, it has some similarities, you know, to whodunits and murder mysteries, especially Knives Out, because uh, Dumbledore, Michael Gambon, the the head of the house, he's the guy who gets murdered. So the old guy, you know, causes strife with every other character in the story, and then he ends up dead. Granted, they happen a lot differently in time and the way it comes about, but there are similarities there. They do a good job of setting up a motive for everybody who's there, which is nice, because there's the, the actor's there, and he's basically like, here's the plot of this movie. And it's the plot of that this movie. <laughs> so it's like he could be doing it. And then, um, of course, his lover slash other actor. Not quite sure still. He could have done it because, or he's suspicious because he was acting like a servant the whole time when he really wasn't. There's that one guy who was going to use his money to give boots to people over in Africa and he was counting on um, Michael Gambon's money. And <laughs> then he's like, oh, I'm just going to leave you high and dry. And then that guy was going to basically lose his fortune on it because he wouldn't help him out. His wife could have done it because he's sleeping with the servants and trying to get with other ladies. So she's not happy with um The old lady's going to get cut off from her inheritance or whatever, too. Yeah, lose her allowance, and she doesn't have any money. She was she just be out pretty much. Then there's the one guy who wanted a job because he doesn't have one, and he wouldn't give him a job. <laughs> so it does a really good job 
setting up everybody's motivations for why they would want to kill him. And I did find it interesting seeing how they would interact with each other. Yeah, and I think having the murder within a murder made it viable for just about anybody to have committed it. So you got two suspects now. Could have been anybody. Man, I knew that poison was coming into play. They really show you that poison. Just a bottle literally labeled poison. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this guy's getting poisoned. Whoever's getting murdered <laughs> is getting poisoned for sure. I like how the, the police constable comments on it. They, whenever he's questioning somebody, and they're like, did you find anything? He's like, well... This house is a poison heavens. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I found this in practically every room. Yeah, and then he goes and picks it up <laughs> from the one guy. <laughs> so here's a question. What is that guy's deal that he picks it out of the room from? The guy who's like sobbing. He's like the lead headmaster servant guy or whatever. And I guess he's just distraught that his employer's dead. He was really like freaking out. He was getting toasted and drunk. That would like drag him back to his bedroom. What was his deal? Was he just sad because of his employer? Or? Yeah, I think he like had a bond with Dumbledore because they both were like objectors to the war. And now he doesn't have a job anymore, potentially. He's had somebody telling him what to do that he's been taking care of his whole life, you know. So I can see it. It's kind of a hard to grasp at first, but if you look at it kind of in a different lens, you can kind of see it. Well, they don't introduce us to that guy very well either so well you never see him talk to paternal man head of the house like they never really interact that much either like i feel like they could have had a scene or two at least of them like being kind of buddy buddy or something i wonder also if it's that you know this guy gave him a job because they both didn't go to the war and now he's concerned because there's clearly a lot of uh negative feelings towards people who were conscientious objectors in world war one and I think he's worried that he won't be able to get a job now because everybody will know because he has to give out his like references and records. I mean, even the cop was giving him crap while he was there. I did think that was an interesting one. I hadn't really considered that to be such a facet of British culture in the 30s. That was probably a facet of everybody back then, honestly, with how much um, propaganda and stuff was used during... The two world wars. I almost said all the world wars. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if there's that many yet. Yeah. During the two world wars. I mean, all that sentiment, like anti-war stuff and people like not talking crap on conscientious objectors started around Vietnam, really, when the media twisted everything, right? So it's like interesting that the constable is also like a, you know, like a lower class citizen, and he still gives the butler a hard time, while at the same time pointing out that he did jail time for, like, objecting, but the rich guy, who also objected, didn't go to jail because he was rich. It seems like such, like, a like a catch-22 kind of thing. Like, I hate you, and I hate that guy, but I blame you, like, just the same, even though he got off the hook and you served time for it. Since we're on the topic of the cops, I loved how the inspector was just this big doofus. <laughs> Like he keeps touching all the stuff at the crime scene. And the other guy's like, uh, we haven't dusted that for prints. And he's like, oh, whoops. And then just tries to put it back. He leaves his matches with another guy and he doesn't even know the way out. It's so funny. I just like how they brought in like the head servant dude and he's crying. He's like, can I make him a little bit more comfortable? 
And they lift him up, and then that's when they find the knife in his heart. <laughs> the, the most fun I had was, yeah, watching those clowns. Especially when he goes to the servants and makes his big speech about how he's going to catch him. And then he does two stupid things right in a row afterwards. And you're like, oh, sure, yeah. You're definitely going to find the murderer. <laughs> Maybe he didn't really like the guy either. Not going to put that much effort into it. That's true, maybe. It was very like uh, Pink Panther, like Inspector Clouseau. Mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't have much else to say about this one. I, I don't know if you guys do, but... I do not. I'm ready. Overall presentation. Let's do it. Shall we adjourn to the overall presentation? <laughs> yes, everyone gather in the presentation room. Um, so we've got a scale that goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We all give a little spiel of what we think, and then we try to round it up at the end, but sometimes that just doesn't work out. It has to be planned, so. You never know how it'll turn out. It's a mystery. Speaking of mysteries, uh, I know sometimes it seems like it's kind of random how we pick our first people, so I've kind of, I've decided to bring in a an impartial party to the mix. Wilfram, Wilfram, over here. Yes, my lord. <laughs> Who's this clown? It's Wilfram. It's Wilfram. My name's Wilfram. I'm Terry's valet. Me and the servants have been talking, and we think it's only right that Mike will be the one to go first. <laughs> oh, oh, very good, sir. What a good job, Wilfram. Quite. Thank you, sirs. I bid you all adieu. Thought he was going to tell us something like, Terry only drinks IPAs, just so you know. He can't drink <laughs> any other beer. Wilfram would never talk rumors about me behind my back. <laughs> Wilfram's a loyal man. He would never do that. He's the best servant, and he knows it. So this is going to be pretty easy. I'm just going to say this one is a pass for me. I recognize that some people will love this. If you watch Downton Abbey and you like that, you'll probably like this. I've watched both. I did not like either, and it's because this stuff is not for me, okay? I wanted this movie to be everything but what it actually was, but I do recognize that this is interesting commentary, and for the right audience, this movie's probably amazing, uh, but it is not for me, so I'm going to give this one a pass. You know, I think, like I said at the beginning, this movie uh, exemplifies kind of, well, yeah, exemplifies i think even what I, I what i think of as a classic like going back you know classic classic who done it mystery with a whole half a setup or more and then a half or less of investigation that said this movie is very much a satire with a murder that happens somewhere in there but i'm okay with that i, I see that wikipedia has this listed as a satirical black comedy mystery and i think that's a good good sub-genre placement for this one, because it is pretty goofy, especially if you're amused by gossip and how absurd the British aristocracy can be. I don't know. I love that sort of thing. I love me some juicy gossip from time to time, although you may never suspect it with my rugged exterior. <laughs> I had a great time with this movie. You know, I made myself a couple whiskey cocktails. I sat there. I chuckled sensibly. Of course, of course. <laughs> Several times throughout. I I'm inclined to give this one a buy it. I, I do think the, the visuals are impressive. You know, it was shot on film, 
so some of the translation for streaming isn't fantastic. But the audio mixing is really interesting and lends itself to this slice-of-life kind of feel, where it really is, I think, supposed to be a mock-up of a day in the life, or a weekend in the life of British nobles and their servants in the modern era. So I, I think I'm going to give this one a buy it. I, I would definitely watch this one again. I, I hope I can get my girlfriend to watch it with me in the near future, because I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I think I'm more akin with Mike on this one. I was pretty bored for most of the movie. Well, I don't know. At first, I was intrigued. Like, it did catch my attention. At first, it had this, like, nice, soothing piano music. And it was like, yeah, them driving. It seemed like this really nice, naive, like, maid or whatever helping out her lady. I was like, this seems like it could be just a nice, relaxing, fun movie. But then you keep going, and nothing's happened. You keep going, and nothing's happened. It just keeps moving, but there's no, like... I don't know. There's no driving force behind it um, until there's a murder. And then even then it kind of just like, eh, whatever. Everybody go home. Well, we got your addresses. It's fine. And I think there are some cool twists with it. I I thought it was interesting. Yeah. That he had like sired a bunch of illegitimate children. No, that was kind of a, a good twist, but uh, there's really no clues to like really lead you up to that. I guess at one point they warn you that this guy is a little touchy with the maid sometimes. Like, so there's that, but. I don't know, it's too many characters as well. Even in this review, I was getting confused because you guys were using actor names I didn't recognize and character names I didn't recognize. And I was just like, uh, I think I know what they're talking about. Um, But I don't know. I think they could have trimmed it up a little bit. I do think this would be a good stage play or something, maybe. It might work better in that context even. But for me, I think I'm going to give it a pass too. It's just, it's very slow moving. Nothing really goes on. And when then something does happen, it's kind of a few comedic moments and then they just brush it aside as well so i'll give it a pass it would be improper of me to chortle during this film which is <laughs> which is a shame because there is a lot of funny parts in it that had me laughing quite a bit um just how petty all these people in the aristocracy are is hilarious i think <laughs> And listening to their gossip and like who's got problems with who and why is funny just because of how petty they make everything. And a lot of the interactions between people are funny too. Uh, so I did enjoy that. I wouldn't put this as a murder mystery at all, honestly. It's mainly just a drama between all these snobby, petty people. And it's it's good in that aspect, I guess, because um, it is pretty funny and they do a good job with the script and all the actors and actresses do a good job pulling it off. Like you believe that they're all these snobby, petty people. So that's fun. Having the contrast of the servants along with that is nice, too. It lends to some good drama for this film. It, it This is a weird one for me because I did like all that, but I do agree with Mike and Terry that I found it very, very slow and boring through a lot of the movie too, just because there's not much else going on between the characters or with the plot besides that until the murder happens, but then it doesn't really shake things up too much because nobody really cares. So this is a weird one for me. I I haven't decided how i want to rate it yet hmm i think i'll give it a watch it just because you don't see a lot of movies like this and i'm glad i had the experience of watching it even if i didn't like love it i did find it 
amusing through a lot of it, but I also get that this is probably a very niche product that a lot of people aren't going to want to see or enjoy seeing. I think I'll give it a watch it, a soft watch it, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Where does that go? <laughs> is that a watch it? I think it's a watch it. Yeah. Soft watch, soft pass. Yeah, there is redeeming stuff in there, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm not the audience for it. It's like half and half for me. Like, I really liked parts of it, and then the rest I was like, they could have trimmed it up. Well, because, like, Knives Out, not really the best comparison. It's like you get all the crazy, like, snobby lords and ladies, essentially, too, but that one's so much better paced and everything and it's easier to tell who's who and all that it's just i think it's done better in that regard but it doesn't mean it's bad right yeah this thing this movie's trying to do something a little different yeah it's kind of trying to be a period piece yeah that's what i was gonna say so for next week i think what we're gonna do is go back in time a little bit to the 1970s and watch The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Some Dario Argento. He's back. I'm so excited. It's been so long. We did Deep Red years ago, it feels like. Yeah, it's before I came on. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if this one's good. <laughs> because <laughs> I've seen a few of Dario Argento's movies, and the only good ones I've seen are Suspiria and Deep Red, and the rest have been pretty bad. So I got high hopes, but... I'm also prepared to be disappointed a little bit. <laughs> you telling me you didn't like Phenomena? Yes, I, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. They played it at when we went and saw Suspiria during Goblin's Band thing, where they were showing all this stuff. And all I remember is there's like this nasty pool of I don't know what that she fell into. That was super weird. There was like a corpse in there, right? Yep, there was a corpse in there. It was disgusting, whatever it was. Ugh. That looked weird. It was pretty bad, but some people seem to like it, so maybe I'm in the wrong here. (laughs) If any of you listeners have anything you want us to do in the future, you can hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at RunTheReal, or you can email us at RunTheRealPodcast at gmail.com, so... Hit us up. You got any recommendations? We want to hear them. We'll probably cover them eventually, so. Do you got any juicy gossip? Ooh, yes. Any juicy gossip? Tell us on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off. What's what's that? What's that, Wilfram? They said they said what about my green shirt? What? <laughs> <laughs>